This is Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Watson. Coming off of another, uh, the finale, if you will, for Fight Island, we're going to uh, jump into a recap of that tonight, as well as the Bellator card. We're going to look forward to the return of UFC to Vegas um, this weekend. We're going to preview that card, and then uh, we've got a few Valor announcements to get to as well. Uh, Justin, how's it going, man? Not too bad, not too bad. How you doing up there? Hey, I'm hanging in here. I'm uh, you know, anxiously awaiting the uh, the uh, emergency uh, orders to hopefully expire at the end of August, so we can be let loose on the masses in September. <laughs> yeah, so. that's, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it all gets behind us come September. Well, you know, the governor uh, signed something that um, I guess allowed for contact sports to resume, mainly to benefit high school football. But that's kind of what lumped our amateurs into their prohibition, if you will. So, uh, you know, I was happy to see that they're going to let them play high school football. That means our uh, we can we can fight. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's good. I, I don't know. I guess have you guys heard about school yet? Do you know is school on schedule as as you know, for normal. Well, where where I live here in Sevier County, uh, it looks like they're going to be going back towards the end of August, like August the seventeenth um, uh, or the nineteenth, something like that. So it's still like three weeks away. But you know, there's in some surrounding counties, uh, like where my mom lives, they they went back to school like last week. So oh, it's wow. crazy that some schools are already back in it, you know. Um, let's jump into it, man. So uh, I, we may have uh, talked about this briefly last week, but we've got two Valor dates on the books now. We'll start diving into those in the weeks to come. We've got the VFC 72 card going down September the 4th for the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. Three big title fights on that one. I'm going to go ahead and drop them on y'all tonight. So, uh, you know, we already knew about our uh, our 185 title defense with uh, Tank Wilson Jr. defending against the undefeated uh, wrestling uh, phenom Logan Dean. Uh, that'll be the main event. And we will also have the vacant 155 title up for grabs this go-round as uh, Carter Beekman looks to become champ champ. Uh, you know, he just won that 170 title back uh, the last show. He's going to drop down to 155 and take on KMAA's Dan Bailey in what should be a really, really good fight. Two four and one guys. And, uh, you know, that's not going to be easy action for either for either either dude. And then finally, the 145 strap will be up for grabs as the victorious ninja Nick Wigley moves to uh, I think he moves to four and one after uh, his last win. And he, you know, he's been saying we had him on the Valor Hour. He wanted a shot at that 145 strap. He's going to get it. And he's going to get it in the form of uh, Russian uh, teen prodigy, uh, Russian DNA, Alex Pergande uh, from Nashville. So that's going to be a really fun fight as well. Uh, triple title fights. Uh, there you have it for uh, Valor 72 on September 4th. We can also announce another one I've uh, got for that card. Uh, we'll see both of these guys returning from the last show. 
show. Uh, the Amish assassin, Alan Miller, will take on Sam McAlpin, who is victorious over Brandon McGee. So those are your top four bouts. We'll be talking more uh, in depth on the rest of that card in the weeks to come. And then September the 12th, I will say, in Chattanooga at the Camp Jordan Arena. Uh, we've got a big card, man. We're going to have nine or ten pro fights. Um, and it's I can tell you, I can't tell you who's going to be in it until they sign, but this is going to be one that I think people will be uh, you know, excited for. It's going to be a fun one. We're putting up the 170-pound uh, professional championship uh, on uh, on that night. So uh, hopefully by next week we can announce that fight. I know that you will have uh, uh, definitely some interest in it, Mr. Watson. Yeah, I uh, haven't heard anything yet, but I have some have some ideas, I believe. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I promise you'll you're going to get two guys that uh, both have very large fan bases going uh, going to head to head down there uh, in Chattanooga. Uh, let's move on, man, to uh, we'll just recap, I guess, what we had uh, going on this past weekend. We had the return of Bellator. Um, that was Bellator 242, if you're keeping count, from the Mohegan Sun in um, Connecticut. And uh, they had a small card. They had, uh, you know, um, I think a seven-fight card, uh, headlined by a main event where we saw Sergio Pettis knock off Ricky Bandejas with a unanimous decision, uh, three rounds to nothing. Across the board, um, I kind of like Bandeos as an underdog here, uh, but, you know, he just didn't have a, have enough to pull it off against Sergio. Uh, your thoughts on that main event? Pretty, uh, very decision-heavy main card. It was. Um, I loved the main card, though. I mean, I thought they had some great matchups, um, you know, and, and they did it a good job. You know, the production value was, was good, not having a crowd there and, and everything. I think that's one of the best uh, Sergio Pettises we've seen in a long time, if ever, uh, I think Ricky Bendejas has a bright future and uh, he's going to do big things. But Anthony Pettis was pretty much unstoppable that night. I don't know, um, you know, how many people over there are going to be able to hang with him if he can, if he can fight like that. Um, you know, go moving forward. The rest of the card went something like this. We saw uh, Jason Jackson, the ass-kicking machine, uh, take on Jordan Mean, uh, who was UFC vet, you know, very experienced vet. And uh, it was Jason Jackson getting a unanimous decision, uh, three to nothing across the board. Uh, we saw a little bit of an upset, at least on the um, on the books. J.J. Uh, Wilson uh, comes in and knocks off Taiwan Claxton with a split decision. One judge had it three to nothing. Uh, well, yeah, actually, there were two judges that had it three to nothing both ways. And then uh, the the third and deciding judge had it two to one J.J. Wilson. Um, you know, a little bit of an underdog here. I believe he's about plus 200 or so. And uh, Claxton's like minus 250. Uh, Claxton's a guy that, you know, we – we know that Bellator has you know, kind of been high on and, and trying to move him up the ladder there. So a uh, uh, nice feather in the cap of J.J. Wilson, who, for the record, I believe did come in heavy. Uh, Aaron Pico uh, continues uh, along the winning uh, path there with a round one uh, submission, uh, rear naked choke in about two minutes over uh, Solo Hatley Jr. And then on the undercard, uh, Rafion Stutz makes uh, a submission uh, out of Cass Bell and gives him his first defeat uh, with uh, third round rear naked choke. Mark Leminger over Jake Smith with a second round TKO and then uh, opening the card heavyweights, Ross Hilton over Rudy Shafroth by decision. Anything on the rest of this card jump out to you? I think I think it was a, a good show for Aaron Pico to come out there and show that he had some versatility, use the wrestling, um, go in and get the choke you know, pretty quick over Sola Hatley, who's you know, not bad. Um, 
what, how did you score the J.J. Wilson, Tywin Claxton fight? Well, man, it's definitely all over the place here, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm more, uh, you know, tet- generally speaking, I'm more uh, a fan of the person, even if they don't necessarily have top position, like the guy that's like trying to do work and trying to get things done. So I don't have a problem with the decision. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had J.J. Wilson, but I had it 29-28. I think 30-27 in either direction is kind of wild. So for to have two judges both have it like that, you know, you know in opposite directions is kind of weird. Um, I think the breakout star of the night probably would be Jason Jackson. Jordan Mean is a, is a tough, tough task. And um, Jason Jackson just walked, ran through it, man. I mean, it was uh, – it wasn't even – wasn't even a close fight. You know, I thought that Jordan Mean would be able to uh, give him some looks that he kind of wasn't ready for, you know, showing some of that experience. But um, Jason Jackson just, just mauled him pretty much. Uh, never sat down between the rounds. I mean, he was he was ready to go. Um, worst fight of the night, I think. Most boring fight of the night for me was uh, Ruffion Stouts and, and Cass Bell. Ruffion just kind of pressed him against the cage all, like all night. Just, I don't know. That was the only fight that I think kind of sucked. You know, ended with a finish, good finish, but um, it wasn't the greatest fight on the card. Then, of course, we had uh, the uh, the final show for for now uh, from the Fight Island. And, you know, uh, there we had four shows over there on Fight Island. And uh, this one was, without a doubt, the the, the largest card. Now, I'll say this. They, they did a pretty good job, I think, of, of running through this 15-bout card, uh, you know, in, in a relatively timely fashion. You know, I, I didn't feel like it drug. And, you know, honestly, it ended earlier than some cards that had fewer fights on them have ended here uh, from Fight Island. Uh, let's jump into the main event. Of course, it was the uh, middleweights on display here as Robert Whitaker took on Darren Till. Uh, Robert Whitaker looking to you know bounce back from his his uh, loss to Adesanya and kind of show that he's still uh, relevant in the division. And he did just that. He got a unanimous decision. All three judges had it three to two. I had it three to two. Um, I was a little scared at first, uh, you know. Uh, I thought, well, no, I'm not, no, not at first. At, at first, I actually thought that Whitaker was gonna was gonna get him out of there. But then in the second, third rounds, Till really started coming around, and I thought in the live lines on this had Till as the favorite for a while, and then Whitaker kind of you know dug deep and, and and pulled away there again at the end. Um, I thought Till had a good showing though. I don't think his his I like if anything his stock kind of you know raised a little bit because he had a he had a pretty good uh, showing out there with Whitaker. Just couldn't you know fifth round. Um, yeah, you know, two to two, probably going to the fifth round, and uh, and he, he couldn't stop the takedowns. Whitaker got like two or three of them there in the last round to kind of seal the deal. Uh, your thoughts on this one? What do you think's next? Do you think uh, Whitaker uh, takes on Hermanson since you know Hermanson called him out uh, after his fight, or you think uh, they go a different direction? What What do you think? Um, I don't hate that fight, but I I don't I, I wouldn't mind seeing Whitaker go back after the title. I mean, this kind of just showed that. Um, losing that fight, you know, he, he's still number one or number two in the world there until, you know, Robert Whitaker and Adesanya um, and Paul Acosta. I mean, when you look at that, those four in that division, that's that's a scary, scary uh, division, man. And, um, but I, I, I had the fight the other way. I, I gave Darren until the fifth round, but I had him, you know, everywhere. So it was kind of probably biased, but um, I just didn't think the takedowns weighed that heavy, but. 
you know, Till dropped Whitaker in the first round. Whitaker drops Till in the second round. Whitaker's pretty dominant in the third round. Um, fourth round was really close. I gave it to Till. And uh, the fifth round, I, I thought it was pretty close, too. And I gave it to Till. But, um, man, I, you know, I think you'll definitely see that fight again. Um, I'm more interested to see what, what happens with Till because, you know, you're going to give him the winner of Shabazi and, and Brunson this weekend. You know, like that, if it be... It'd be wild for him to have to fight Edmund Shabazian next um, because he's he's definitely one of the best in the world, you know. And Shabazian's um, a dangerous uh, a dangerous task for for somebody in the position that Till's in, I think, at this point. But um, I just thought it was a hell of a fight, though, man. I, I thought it delivered 100. percent In the co-main event, uh, it was uh, fight I wasn't real high on to tell you the truth going into this thing. I felt like uh, you know the legends. Uh, when you have these two older guys go at it, I just, it just doesn't it doesn't hold the same uh, you know nostalgia feeling to me honestly uh, seeing some of these matchups. But uh, you know it was uh, it was uh, a trilogy two to nothing going into it. Uh, Mauricio Shogun who had taken on Antonio Rogério Nogueira, uh, the uh, little nog if you will, and uh, Hua comes in with a, a two nothing advantage in the series and gets the clean sweep with a split decision win. Uh, 29-28 across the board, two judges for Hua, one judge for Noguera. Actually, the fight delivered a little better action than what I anticipated. I wasn't bored by it, and I actually had um, Noguera winning personally, but I don't have a problem with it, I don't guess, either way. What do you think about the co-main? Yeah, I, was, I think it was probably the most entertaining fight of the night, to be <laughs> honest. Um, you know, both guys went in there and, and gave a hell. You know, I think that was, you know, Shogun um, – Said he has two fights left, and uh, Nogueira said that was it for him. So both guys, uh, were, you know, went out there and put it all on the line and fought hard all three rounds. And um, they are, you know, degenerate. They're old, but you know, I, I don't know. They, they still came out there and, and fought hard. So it was a good, um, it was a good show. I think. I don't know if it should have been co-main event, but uh, I think uh, I think it was a good show for both of them. Upset alert in the uh, feature bout. We had uh, heavyweight action as Fabricio Verdum defeats Alexander Gustafsson. The returning Alexander Gustafsson, he'd been gone for about a year and a half, makes the move up to heavyweight like we've been seeing a lot of light heavyweights do. And, uh, man, tell you what, he was like three to one or better against Verdum. And I was on Verdum uh, here. I'm not really that I had like a whole lot of confidence in him, but I felt like the odds were certainly a little off. And, and especially like on DraftKings and things like that, he's super cheap. Uh, I, I had a feeling, you know, if Verdum could get this to the ground, then, you know, it, it'd be a wrap. And sure sure enough, it was. Uh, as soon as he got it to the ground, uh, you know, Gustafsson, you could tell he, he was not liking it there, trying to get up as frantically as he could, but uh, ends up uh, falling to an arm bar uh, in Verdum's final fight of his UFC contract. And I think uh, it's safe to say that was probably his final UFC fight. I would imagine we'll see him turn up in Bellator next. Yeah, so I saw on his uh, Instagram yesterday, he posted something about this new organization that he's going to compete for called BetBJJ. Oh, yeah? So, yes, so I went to their Instagram, and, I mean, they've got – looks like they're going to be bringing in some of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world uh, and doing some kind of a big event, but they – have been posting videos kind of to announce who, you know, who they're going to have. And Verdum was announced by them on July 11th. So he knew going into this, I think that this is his last UFC fight and he was, 
you know, going to go in another direction after this. Um, I didn't didn't realize that going into the fight. It might have changed the way I looked at it a little bit, but you know, take notes. Take take notes, Paige Van Zant. Like you know, if you if you're if you're gonna write out your contract and take a, a final fight and be a big underdog like that, that's how you do it. Um, you know, I didn't think the fight was gonna go that way, but once Fabrizio got him to the ground, got that got his back. You know, it was um, it was just a matter of time. That's kind of one of his one of Fabrizio's um, moves. You know, in jiu-jitsu competition, he's landed that a, a few times, hitting that armbar from the back, and um, you know they're just not even close to the same level uh, when it when it comes to that. You know, Alex has got decent defense, but um, he's not going to be able to stop somebody from Verdum. Even if he would have stopped that armbar, it was it was you know he was in deep water there and. Uh, Purdue was probably going to get the finish. Even if he got out, he was going to finish him somewhere else. But um, I think it was a great show for Verdum. You know, stark opposite of what he had the last time we saw him against Olenek, and um, it was what he needed to to go out on. What do you think about Gustafson? You know, he he had said, you know, this wasn't just like a one and done. He was making a comeback here. Do you think we see him stay in the heavyweight division, or you think he drops back down to 205? I think he'll stay at heavyweight. I think this is where he needs to be. Um I think he just kind of got called up, you know, like it, it's you, you got called on the ground with Fabrizio Verdum in a minute and a half. And, you know, there's not many people in the world that are going to be able to survive that. Um, it's kind of like, you know, getting kicked in the head, you know, early in a fight or something like sometimes shit like that just happens. And I don't think it speaks to where uh, what he's capable of doing in the division. I think that. Uh, he can be, you know, steady in the top five of the division for a long time. He's still young, relatively young for a heavyweight, you know. And um, I think he's like 32 or something. I don't know. He's he's pretty young, but um, you know, Stipe's leaving, Cormier's leaving. The division's going to open up a lot, and so you know, he could possibly be champion of that division. Um, but I think he'll stay there. I, th- I think this is kind of a bump in the road, and um, I think we'll see a good turnaround for him. Uh, before that, we had a female bout. It had been rescheduled uh, from earlier uh, in the uh, in the comeback, if you will. It was uh, Carla Cookie Monster Esparza uh, knocking off Marina Rodriguez with a split decision. Uh, we had one judge had it 30-27 for Esparza. We had uh, one judge had it 29-28 for Esparza, and the other judge 28-29 for Rodriguez. Uh, this is one of those fights, you know, you're a judge. This is one of those fights where at the end of the fight, it didn't look like Carla Esparza was going to be the winner because she, her face is all jacked up. But that, that said, you know, she shows damage like that, uh, you know, in pretty much all of her fights. It was one of those fights where, you know, Rodriguez just could not stop the takedown. Anytime Esparza wanted the takedown, she pretty much got it. Some questionable fight IQ from Esparza, like like leaving dominant position to go for feet and, and leg locks and stuff like that, that w- led to a lot of her, you know, taking damage she didn't really need to take. But uh, what did you think? Which which would which way would you have gone in this fight? I actually thought as far as it did, if you're going round by round, you know, I thought she did win. It was just one of those things where she looked like she got her ass kicked. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I think the 30-27 is wild to me. I don't, I don't see how you could give the first round to Carla um, I don't know how anybody could give the first round to Carla. The second and third round, she maintained top position, the majority of it, um, but she wasn't doing much there, you know. And then, like you said, she jumps back for an ankle, and, I mean, she was just getting blasted in, in that position. 
Um, so I gave the second round to Rodriguez. Uh, in the second round, she that was you know she finished the round that way, and I think that the damage that she was doing was was more than Carla just being on top of her um, a little bit. You know, uh, she out Rodriguez outlanded her in the fight um, in significant strikes, and when when you have somebody who's doing a lot of, of top work and really winning rounds on the top, you see that that strike differential. Um, being a lot wider for the person on top. You know, you don't usually see the person on bottom with the higher strike count because when you're on top, you're just landing small. You know, they're not necessarily significant strikes, but your total strike count is adding up if you're doing work. But Carla really wasn't doing work. So, um, you know, her significant or her, her total strike count kind of reflects that. Um, so, yeah, this one this one messed me up, man. I had Marina in this one, and um, I thought she won the fight. I, I thought going to the judges, I thought, Pretty sure that that Marina had the first two rounds, um, and that Carla probably took the third. But uh, I was wrong. <laughs> I guess you know the 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 people who who it was their opinion mattered that night didn't didn't agree with me. So, um, you know, I think it's like five wins in a row for Esparza, um, taking away you know Marina's undefeated record, and um, you know she'll she'll probably get a, a big top three fight next. You know, I, I'm not sure that that was a performance that would be deserving of such. Who I would put her with, like a Jessica Andrade, who's you know still a relevant name, needs probably another win to get back up into a marquee fight herself. You know, but uh, you know, coming off a loss at the same time. Yeah, do you know where Carla was ranked going into that fight? Seven, seven. So yeah, that probably wouldn't be a bad one. Um, you know, with Andrade coming off a, a loss to Rose, who's probably not going to go fight for the title. I think that's probably a, a decent progression up, um, but I, I don't know that uh, Andrade might not be outside the top five. Though. I mean, uh, she's, that still might be inside the top five. I don't know if, if she's. I don't know what the new rankings are, but um, but yeah, I like that matchup a lot. I think that's a that's a good step. Up next, we had the always uh, always hard to predict Paul Craig taking on Gads and Antigulov. Uh, this one was a really hard one for me to call going into it. I I had a feeling somebody was going to finish somebody, but I dare I say who I went with Paul Craig, and I ended up uh, being on the right side of it. Is uh, he immediately pretty much let Antigulov take him down and then work submission? Uh, after submission, going to triangle choke, off to an armbar, back to triangle choke. Finally gets it two minutes in, and uh, Paul Craig, uh, you know, uh, with a little bit, of, a little bit of momentum here. Yeah, man, I needed that one. Um, I think you know, Antigulov was coming in with a vengeance, trying to get some some redemption for a teammate that that Paul Craig had triangled, and um, you know, say he was going to finish him and all that stuff, and then falls into the triangle. Uh, two minutes into the first round, that's not the way you want to go out. But um, but it's a big win for Paul Craig. You know, I think his last fight was a, a, a draw against Shogun, maybe, you know, and then a win before that. So, um, you know, you might see a little step up in competition for Paul Craig from here. You know what I think would just be a fun, weird fight would be uh, OSP and Paul Craig. That would be, yeah, that would be a weird fight. <laughs> OSP, I don't. Is OSP going to go back to two hundred five? Or I, I would imagine it's something that's you know not out of the realm of possibility. I just think that would be a really wonky fight. You yeah, know? it's like you know, know what would happen. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, like a Mearshart go up to two hundred five and fight Paul Craig. Or that could be a fun. And one. I've said this name a lot week after week just because I think it'd be. He, I think he's fun against anybody. You're <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you were going to say Kudaloba. 
Oh, right, uh, right. Yeah, well, Ross, that, yeah, him. May have fought, maybe not, but uh, I feel like maybe at some point they may have fought. But I know that it would be a great face-off between those two. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we saw before that the Brazilian cowboy, Alex Oliveira, take a uh, pretty wide unanimous decision, win three rounds to nothing on all the cards over German fighter Peter Sabota. One of the best performances I think we've seen out of uh, Cowboy Oliveira. There was a lot of people coming into this that were kind of saying that Sabota was the underdog upset here. And uh, I stuck with uh, Oliveira and was kind of worried, I guess, just because I kept hearing all this stuff about how, he, you know, they thought he'd be upset. But I thought he looked great. Yeah, man, I, I can't say that, that Alex Oliveira's ever looked better. I had Peter Sabota going in, too. I, I thought that it was um, that he was going to get the upset. Uh, and, man, it wasn't even close. Oliveira looked phenomenal from start to finish. Um, you know, it's kind of. Early in his his UFC run, you know, that's kind of what we saw him doing to guys. And, um, you know, he just he's relentless and he's powerful um, and, you know, great footwork and just kind of does what he wants in there. Um, and then, he, you know, he's run into a couple issues here and there. But um, so I kind of thought maybe he was going to fall off. But that was a great, great performance from from Alex Oliveira. Opening up the main card, it's the UFC's uh, new new darling, if you will. And, you know, this guy is, uh, you know, they're strapping a rocket to him. Uh, Kamzat Bors at Chimaev with a first round TKO over uh, Rice McKee. Uh, he was a very heavy favorite here, like minus 1,200 uh, on a 10-day turnaround after defeating John Phillips at middleweight. Um, you know, the I guess the Maybe that was the second fight, like a Wednesday midweek fight island event. Um, and uh, has the quick turnaround here, gets McKee out of there. And, man, this guy, a lot of people are starting to clamor for, uh, you know, this guy is, you know, the next thing. Is this guy the next uh, Khabib or whatever? Uh, you know, he, he's undefeated. At, I think he's only 8-0, you know, or 9-0 maybe. But not a whole lot of fight, Jib. is super dominant so far. Do you think uh, it's a good idea to fast-track this guy? In my opinion, I, I still want to see him against, like, you know, uh, uh, somebody that is on the, I mean, on the level, you know, no knock on these two guys, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that this is not, you know, probably the softest first two opponents I've seen many a UFC guy uh, in his debut have. I think there's, you know, some, some tough guys out there that could give uh, Jim IF, uh, you know, uh, if he gets past the, like a mid tier, I don't really clock these guys as mid tier guys. Even I think these are like low tier, uh, borderline UFC level guys, you know, I'd like to see him in there, uh, at 170 against, uh, you know, some better talent still, you know, like, uh, uh, even, uh, you know, maybe, a, Le a Leonardo Silva or something like that. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing, seeing him get thrown to the top 15 right now. Reese McKees is not, you know, he's not top 15 obviously, but he, he was one of the top prospects coming out of the UK. Um, you know, but he was but a lot of fights at 155. Yeah, yeah, but he was a great stylistic matchup for Shimaev, you know, like Reese McKee's going to he's more of a stand-up fighter with, you know, he's got some grappling, but um Shimaev's just going to latch on to you right away and uh he's not, you know, making any qualms about it. it there was a picture I saw from um Wayans. I saw them at Wayans and Shimaev like walked over to him and grabbed him and kind of picked him up um and he hit that 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 slam like, you know, 10 seconds into the fight, the exact same position. Um, <clears throat> you know, in those two fights in 10 days, he outlanded his opponents 192 to two. 
he didn't get hit at all by Reese McKee, and he only got hit twice by uh, Phillips, and he landed 190 strike, 192 strikes in that, so 190 more strikes than his opponents in two fights. Um, they're not, you know, obviously on that on that higher level, but I would, you know, because of his because of his attitude, uh, the way that he is willing to fight anybody any any time, you know. I would like to see him get one of those guys because what's it going to hurt at this point? You know, even if he goes in there and loses, then you're like, okay, well, that's still only his first loss, you know. Um, but he, he would learn a lot about himself if he does go in there and take a loss. But um, I think that he can probably compete with a lot of guys up there, man. Um, you know, I'm not trying to throw him into the top 10, or like, you know, anything like that. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight somebody in the top 15, top 20. All right, and then moving on to the undercard, uh, we had a little bit of controversy here on the featured prelim. Uh, on the undercard, it was Francisco Ronaldo taking on Jai Herbert. Herbert, you know, really looking good. Uh, you know, had won the first two rounds, was on his way to upsetting Ronaldo, who's you know a, a, a salty vet for uh, for a debut uh, UFC debut. Uh, but uh, Ronaldo kind of dug deep and and just freaking dropped Herbert with a big overhand in the third round. Uh, and, and at that point, he just kind of like threw his hands up like he was going to walk off and because it looked like Herbert was just done. And so Trinaldo wasn't going to uh, hit him anymore. But Herb Dean uh, did not step in to stop the fight and pretty much like insisted that Trinaldo hit him some more. Uh, we had a big to do afterward. You know, there's some talk, you know, Dan Hardy stood up out of his commentary position and was yelling at Herb and there's been some back and forth there uh you know as to whether or not herb was in the wrong to let that fight go on like he did and then whether or not hardy was in the wrong to you know essentially leave his broadcast station especially in an empty arena when there where it's just very quiet and you know all voices are very amplified um your thoughts on the fight first of all i, I gotta say herbert was looking really good but you can't uh, take anything away from trinaldo man he you know he was down and he he dug deep and he and he you know found a way to win in a in a big win for him really uh, talk about the fight and then talk about the aftermath yeah this one hurt me man i, I went with Jai herbert on this one and you know up and you know at 13 and a half minutes into the fight i thought well we're good you know um, and then boom, Francisco just hits him with a bomb. Um, so it's, it's really weird. You know, I think that the angle that we saw it from on TV is the worst possible angle we could see it from. Um, so you, you kind of saw his arms go up stiff. Um, you know, it, it looked like he was out cold from that shot. Um, then he, when he hit the ground, he, he kind of woke up, um, Ronaldo was, was standing over top of him. He was kind of looking around, but I think that when the shot landed, what we saw, I don't think that Herb Dean saw. I think that he was in a position where he didn't see um, exactly how bad it was. And I think when he got around to where he could see uh, what was going on, I, I think, you know, um, that he was kind of, Herbert was kind of waking up a little bit. Um, and so I, I don't know, it was kind of weird. Then afterwards, you know, during it, um, you know, Dan Hardy is screaming to stop the fight. It's not something that's uncommon um, from to hear from, you know, announcers even, uh, especially, you know, in like Jai Herbert is, is from Dan Hardy's area. You know, he's, he's a, um, an England guy. So Dan Hardy's probably spent a lot of time around him, cares about him. And, um, you know, when you see a guy taking shots like that, 
you know, it, it's hard not to stand up and say something. Um, but then afterwards, I think it was, from my understanding, Herb Dean went over to the broadcast or broadcast booth um, and was telling Dan Hardy, you know, you can't be doing that. You can't be yelling for me to stop the fight. And so they kind of got into it there a little bit. Um, so I, I don't really think Dan Hardy's at fault in, in any way. I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll uh, face any repercussion from the UFC for it by any means. Uh, they, they said that they're looking into the in, the incident or whatever, but um, you know, uh, it was a bad stoppage. Uh, I think he was just out of position, and it happens sometimes. Um, you know, Trinaldo, if Trinaldo had jumped on him quickly, um, it may have it may have been stopped faster. But because Trinaldo kind of stayed away, you know, if from the position that Herb Dean was in, you know, a lot of times if you drop a guy and you're standing over him, playing the foot game, and you know that's kind of how Jai Herbert's feet were. They were, you know, he was kind of trying to had his feet up, um, you know, almost in a defensive position. So I just think it was hard to see. Um, I think Dan Hardy got a little emotional. There was a, a stoppage earlier from Herb Dean that was a little questionable too. And I think it was just kind of a boiling point in being in that, in you know, with that, without a crowd, Herb Dean could hear everything, you know. So um, Herb Dean afterwards was saying, you know, he shouldn't be doing that because Herb Dean doesn't know if that's, uh, you know, a um, an athletic commission official or if it's, uh, you know, um, another referee or a doctor or a corner or whatever but he obviously did know who it was if he went over to dan hardy and said hey you can't be doing this i mean you know yeah it's kind of you do hear those i mean he knows he knew who was saying it you know it wasn't like and the doctor's not going to do that um the corner if the corner's doing that it would be a little different you know you wouldn't hear just one person there'll be several of them they're going to be on the jumping on the cage and throwing in towels and stuff you know um so it would just be different but I think he obviously knew who who it was coming from, and he just didn't like the criticism on live TV. I think that that, that it's ballsy to do that. I think it's good for the uh, commentators to to openly criticize referees. It's happened before; it's not a new thing, you know. Especially with with fighter analysts, those guys speak up a lot more often because they've been in there, and you know they train with these guys. They know what it's like. They don't want to see them. Those are the those are the shots you don't want to take. You know, when you're defenseless. Um, and and don't see the shot coming. Those are the ones where your brain's already kind of shut off. Those are the ones that, that do long-term damage, you know, and uh, they get that. And if, you know, it, but in the same regard, you know, if, if he wasn't completely out and Herb Dean would have jumped in, then everybody would have lambasted him for just stopping the fight early when Jai Herbert was winning the fight, you know. So, and, and it's, you're talking about a two or three second decision that, you know, he made that decision within two or three seconds of the shot landing. So, you know, had it been the wrong one, either way, he's going to get, you know, um, get shit on, I think. But I don't know. I, I don't think it was a terrible, terrible stoppage. I think we've seen way worse. Um, but, you know, there was a couple of uncalled four shots that landed, but I don't think it was altogether that bad. Um, but, I, you know, I I don't know. I think this whole situation got a little played out too much, um, but I don't really see if see much fault in in anybody in this one. It's kind of one of those things that happens, I guess. The heat of the moment. Yeah, yeah, heat of the moment. I mean, it, you know, you're talking about you're talking about fighting. You know, like there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of things going on, and um, you know, 
it's, it's hard to control emotions in those situations, you know, from, from every aspect of it, you know, you know, Herb Dean has to stay calm in that moment and make a decision. Um, you know, Dan Hardy's, you know, it's hard to, 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 for him to keep himself calm in a situation like that when he sees a friend of his getting slammed in the, in the head, you know? Uh, so it was just a wild thing. And, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'll hear much about it after this. I think it'll kind of be dropped pretty quick. I'd say you're probably right there. Moving on. Uh, next up, it was uh, another upset. This one was uh, an- uh, another nearly three to one underdog is Jesse Ronson pulling the up- upset over Nicholas Dalby with a first round a submission, rear naked choke, 248 into the first round. And uh, man, a-, a big upset for Jesse Ronson. He, you know, I think he's going to be dropping back down uh, to 155. I- he took this fight, I think, on short notice. He called out uh, Luis Pena uh, in his post fight there. Uh, Tom Aspinall makes short work of Jake Collier, 45-second knockout. Uh, Collier looked kind of like John Volante, a heavyweight, uh, not good. Uh, Mavzar Evloev with a unanimous decision win over Mike Grundy. Uh, Grundy had a pretty good first round, but then uh, Evloev kind of took over, I thought, in those last two rounds. Uh, Tanner Bozier with another TKO, man. Uh, You know, this is two in a row for Tanner Bozier over uh, Rafael Pessoa uh, with uh, TKO uh, in the second round. Uh, Two minutes, 36 seconds, and... um, that was uh, also worthy of performance of the night. An, an interesting note here, every single finish on this card, um, with the exception of Trinaldo's, and I assume that's because he missed weight, every finish on this card got a performance of the night bonus. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you think about uh, those, those, that little set of prelims there? Anybody stick out to you? Um, Tanner Bozier looked great. I think that at heavyweight, you know, his – He's just that right size where his, his movement and footwork and stuff is um, is still there. He's still moving like a like a middleweight uh, in there, you know. He still hits hard. Um, I don't think you could have uh, a better style for the mullet that he wears. Uh, you know, the way he jumps around and moves around, that thing flies around in the air beautifully. <laughs> so I like that. Um, I was doing good up until the to the Grundy fight. You know, that one I, I thought Grundy was going to be able to get it done he's tough and gritty and i mean he gave it hell he, he was fighting with everything he had but evolve was just too much for him he's pretty um, good Evolo's yeah pretty- yeah he, he's tough man and jake collier <clears throat> i don't know who who even let him do that like <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to reevaluate reevaluate who's around you if they're letting you take fights like that and um walk into a ufc fight looking like that against you know Frank Mears, better looking uh, clone. Um, Man, I think it was pretty obvious he was right off the couch looking for. Yeah, a dude, it was. That's weird, man. I, I couldn't believe that the that the UFC even made that fight. I guess, but um, you know, he's a guy that, that fought at, at middleweight. Um, yeah, and it was very obvious when you saw the way he, the way he looked in there. And Tom Aspinall is, you know, a full heavyweight who is is built well, um, and. Collier didn't really want any of it. I mean, it wasn't even a, a clean shot that, that finished him. You know, he, was, he got a he got a decent shot, you know, but it, it wasn't a shot that every other heavyweight wouldn't just eat and keep coming. But he was just like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> kind of <laughs> turned and fell, man. And it, it was it was kind of like he was just asking for a way out. Um, and then you know, I got I was upset on that 
the uh, Dolby fight too. I, I had Dolby good there, and um, Ronson Ronson surprised me. And then the early prelims, we had three of them. Penny Kinzad looked really good. Uh, probably the best I've seen her as she knocks off number 13 ranked Betchko. Yeah, unanimous decision uh, across the board. I thought that uh, Kinzad's striking looked pretty sharp. And, you know, Kohea's tough. She, she, you know, she showed that she's just, you know, Betch is just not really very good at all. But she just is super tough and comes forward and throws and eats what you throw at her and, uh, you know, has pretty good cardio, I guess. But I would imagine uh, Penny maybe gets uh, into the top 15 now, uh, knocking off number 13 there. Uh, Ramazan Imev with a, uh, a, a less than exciting unanimous decision win over German fighter Nicholas Stoltz. And then opening the fight card, it was Nathaniel Wood uh, with a unanimous decision win, uh, heavily favored over John Castaneda. Anything on these uh, first three? Uh, all pretty one-sided. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think that was the best we've seen. Uh, Kenzie had look and, and Betch is just kind of like, you, you kind of, uh, summed it up perfectly. You know, she's just not that great. She's just super tough and she'll keep coming. And, um, I don't know how, how long she'll be around. You know, she's fighting this low on, on a card when you at one time fought for a title, um, you know, and losing is, is not, doesn't look great for your career. Um, but, um, Nathaniel Wood, I think is, is a, is a, uh, a prospect to keep your eye on. I've, I've been, been looking at him for a while and, um, I think he's, he's a solid, solid prospect. All right. That will, uh, finish up our, uh, recap of the final installment of the, the fight Island, uh, series, which I'm uh, guessing they'll be back there probably in October or something. Uh, we'll, uh, move on to uh, a preview of this weekend's action. Uh, we've got, uh, the UFC returning to Las Vegas, uh, with, uh, with a card. And, uh, also, uh, just a quick mention, I don't really think there's a whole lot that is of, uh, you know, of, of note here, but Invicta has uh, their uh, their show on Thursday, July thirtieth. So that'll be um, that'll be tonight, actually, on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, a couple of recognizable names on here looks like uh, Janessa Morandine, Aaron Blanchfield, Caitlin Young. Uh, a lot of uh, young prospects. So uh, if you want to check out some women's MMA, that's tonight on uh, UFC Fight Pass and Invicta forty one. But uh, this weekend, we have got UFC Fight Night. Uh, it is going to be, uh, a re- or it was originally supposed to be uh, Holly Holm against Irene Aldana. Aldana has COVID, so that main event gets scratched. And uh, we now have a new main event, which to me is not, you know, I'm not super excited about it. I think, you know, at least we get a, a middleweight, uh, another middleweight to kind of talk about since we've been talking about Till and Whitaker and Hermanson and all that. But uh, we're going to see number eight versus number nine here. Derek Brunson, number eight, will take on number nine, Edmund Shabazian, undefeated Edmund Shabazian. This is, you know, a very entertaining fighter. This is a guy that the UFC is behind, and they, I think they want to see him rise up the ranks, managed by Ronda Rousey. Uh, you know, a very, like I said, very exciting striker. I think he's going to have the uh, advantages uh, technique-wise, uh, striking and maybe grappling as well against Derek Brunson. But for the the X factor here is Brunson's got such really good wrestling. He's super strong. He's got good cardio. Uh, one one thing to note is that this is a three round main event instead of our typical five round main event. So it's not out of the question, I think, for Brunson to be able to kind of 
bank two out of three rounds if he's able to, you know, close the distance and just kind of make this a grinding fight. I think if Brunson wins, it's not going to be a very entertaining fight. Uh, you know, on the flip side, you know, will Shabazian be able to get a big knockout here? Because Brunson's shown that, you know, he's a little chinny at times. But, you know, keep in mind, Brunson's only lost to, like, really elite competition. Yeah. When he when he fights those, those elite competition, though, it's like – Kind of reminds me of like when he fought Izzy, you know, he seemed, Izzy had all this hype behind him and, you know, just was a massive favorite in the fight. And Brunson just seemed super timid, timid going in and, um, you know, uh, was kind of just kept running from him. Uh, just didn't, didn't really want to engage. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see that kind of a, a display from Brunson against Shabazi and just, just with, you know, I think Shabazi may be in his head a little bit. Um but it, this guy's an interesting prospect, man. I, you know, I've talked about him a lot, and um, I, I saw a thing today, and I didn't realize this before, but it was from when Ronda was the champ, and she was doing like an open workout, and Ed, uh, Edmund Shabazian was her, uh, like her partner in, in, you know, in a UFC open workout, and he was 15, um, and she's in there throwing him around like a rag doll, you know, he was probably 160 pounds then, but. Just to think, you know, this guy's since he was 15, 14, 15, he's been around this top level, you know, and getting the, this kind of training. He's grown up around it. Um, you know, I think that his overall MMA uh, is just going to be far superior to Brunson's. Um, but Brunson's just a wild card, too, man. I mean, you know, Brunson can walk in there and knock him out in the first 30 seconds. He could walk in there and just wrestle him to death. You know, you, you just never really know what you're going to get. But Shabazian's a big favorite. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of look for Shabazian to, to be able to handle business um, this weekend to stay undefeated and throw his name in the mix with those guys. You know, he's, he's ranked eight or nine right, right now. And, um, you know, with a win here, uh, you know, that you're talking about top five or six opponents. And we listed those off earlier, you know, and that's – top of the food chain guys, you know, so um, it's, it's going to be a, a tough road from here for Shabazzian if he can get past this one. Who's your pick? Uh, I got Shabazzian. I, I think he's going to be able to, to, to pull it off. Um, I, I look for Shabazzian to get a finish, um, but I, I think he's going to be pretty dominant. Um, but, but I don't know, man, it, it's a tough call. You know, I could be, Totally wrong. Brunson could come out there and, and look like a world beater again. But, um, you know, I just I just think that uh, Shabazian's too well-rounded. Uh, and I think that um, the the headspace is going to play a, a factor in it. I think Shabazian's mental game is going to be a little higher than, than Brunson's. Co-main event, we've got a, another late replacement as uh, Vivian Arjal was originally supposed to face off against uh, uh, Jennifer Maya here, but uh, she was a, she was have, she had to pull out, and now we've got Joanne Calderwood, an even tougher opponent, ranked number three to take on number six Jennifer Maya, flyweight action. Um, you know, uh, Calderwood was in line to take on uh, Shevchenko before she got hurt, so she decides to to stay busy and take this fight. Do you think that's a good idea? You think this is a unnecessary risk, or you know? It's uh, good to get out there and, and get a payday. I don't know, man. I, I think it's really strange. Um, you know, Jennifer Maya is not a, a slouch. You know, she's coming off of a loss, but, um, you know, it was to uh, – uh, what's her name that just lost 
uh, in the title fight, who was also uh, Calderwood's last last person to beat Calderwood. So um, I don't think it's an easy fight for Calderwood. Uh, and, uh, you know, she was kind of already labeled the number one contender in this weight class. And Jennifer Maya has also missed weight in her last two fights, you know, and then going through the quarantine and we, we are seeing more fighters missing weight. So it's almost, a, you know, they should have some odds on that, whether Jennifer Maya makes weight or not, because yeah, right. I would I would bet that she doesn't. Um, so it's really crazy, man. It's it's uh, why her management would do this. It doesn't really doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but maybe she needs the money. I, I don't know. I'm not Caitlin sure. Chukagian is yeah, 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 Chukagian. Yeah, the blonde fighter. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I, I like Calderwood, but fuck, man. I just I like Calderwood, but it just doesn't seem like a good idea to me to yeah. be taking this fight. So it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard. I, I just feel like I'm gonna, you know, go with Calderwood and then be like, you son, stupid son. You knew she wasn't. She shouldn't have taken that fight. You know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go with Calderwood. I'm, you know, I'm sure once we get to that day, but uh, I think it's a, just a bad, bad decision all around. Out is a welterweight contest. Vicente Luque, uh, number twelve welterweight in the world, taking on Randy Brown. Uh, this is one that I mean, I feel like Luque has got this. You know, to me, it's one of my most confident picks. But then, like I'm, you know, I'm listening to some other uh, opinions on this, and a lot of people are picking uh, Randy Brown for the upset here. I don't see it, man. I think Luque's just fought such r- really tough competition. Randy Brown, to me, is not the best competition that he's fought or beat at this point. Now, Randy Brown is always improving. You know, he's young and his, uh, you know, it seems to improve each each fight. But for me, yeah, until I see him knock off uh, a talent on this level, I've got Luque. How about you? Yeah, I think the odds are. You know, at first I kind of thought, I don't know, I, th- I kind of thought the odds were a little close, but the more I look at it, you know, I think the odds are pretty good. Um, I think Randy Brown is dangerous, man, and um, I think Vicente Luque should be able to should be able to go in there and take care of it. But um, Vicente Luque likes to get in those, you know, wild barn burner fights. Um, you know, and Randy Brown, you know, he, he can throw, he can he can hit with, you know, just start as the best. He's got half of his wins come by knockout, you know? So, um, I think it's a tough fight. I think it's going to probably be fight of the night. If I had to pick, I think Luke, a will, will get the job done. Um, but I think it's going to be a, I think it'd be a wild fight. So on the main card, we've got a rematch, uh, from uh, a couple of years back. It's a uh, lightweight action. Lando Venata takes on Bobby King green last time out. This was a draw. Um, and I want to say Venata was winning, but then he got penalized a point for a legal blow, which made it a draw. Uh, but I still think it's a pretty close fight. And, and that night, it got a, a got a fight of the night award. So maybe we'll get another good fight of the night action there. And then opening up the main card, it's uh, middleweight action to uh, two uh, uh, prospects, LF, like LFA vets. You know, uh, Kevin Holland takes on Trevin Giles. Holland is kind of a sizable favorite here, like minus 300 or better. And, you know, Giles is a guy that it seems like they were kind of pushing for a minute. So uh, could be a potential upset alert here. Anything on these last two main card fights? Um, I like Kevin Holland in this fight. I think that Trevin Giles just got beat by, by a, a welterweight um, in his last fight who stepped up on like 10 hours notice or something. Um and Kevin Holland, I think, has just kind of been pushing through. The odds that I'm seeing Kevin Holland is minus 210. Um, 
minus two fifteen range. Okay. Um, so, I, but I I lean towards it being higher, to, more towards uh, what you were saying. Honestly, I think that um, I think Kevin Holland will probably have a good show um, and might have might add a little highlight to his to his reel. Uh, uh, okay, go ahead on the other five. Sorry. What was the other one? Lando Venata. Oh, oh yeah, Lando Venata. Um, yeah, man, that that fight was a good, good fight the first time around. You know, Lando's got all the talent in the world. So does Bobby Green. But both the guy, both these guys, have never really just been able to um, put the right wins together at the right time. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough, tough fight. Lando's, you know, the favorite in the fight, but. Bobby Green's coming off of a, a decent win over Clay Guida. Um, you know, so he's got a little bit of momentum going his way. It's been a little while longer since Lando fought. Um, but I, I expect a barn burner in that one. All right. The undercard. Uh, looks like uh, we've got some familiar names here on this undercard, man. Uh, the feature bout on the undercard, Bantamweights, Frankie Sainz taking on Jonathan Martinez. Um, we got Ed Herman taking on uh, Gerald Mearshart uh, on the quick turnaround. Mearshart, uh, he got TKO'd by Ian Heinish last time out, but apparently he didn't take a whole lot of damage there. So he's uh, on a quick turnaround. We fight a 205 for this one against Ed Herman. So you've kind of got two 185 guys fighting at 205. I like Gerald in this one uh, stylistically a whole lot. Uh, and then we got Ray Borg taking on the debuting Nathan Manis, who is from the Kentucky area. So it'll be interesting to see, um, uh, you know, if he if he's able to, you know, uh, have any success. And it's a very uh, well traveled uh, vet in Ray Borg. I really like Ray Borg in this one. To tell you the truth, uh, he's like two to one, but uh, I think just the level the level of experience here is is going to be very uh, evident, if you will. Um, your thoughts on these three prelims? Yeah, I like Ray Borg in this fight. Um, Nathan Manis, did he fight? Has he fought for in in our area? No, he he's fought for like Hard Rock and stuff like that up in Kentucky. Uh, so so he he beat Cody Cody Gully and he beat Brandon Bell. Um, you know, a couple of guys that we know. You know, what's crazy? And Brandon Bell and Brandon Bell's like really big like in man yeah, 135 brandon bell's like oh a welterweight a big welterweight uh, a big yeah a big welterweight uh yeah that, that one's wild that was in 2016 um i'm trying to see where that where that took place at uh or what weight class it doesn't say here but um but man that yeah that's uh that's a big big jump and it doesn't say doesn't say what weight class it was in um, but anyway, yeah, I like Ray Borg in that fight. I think he's just, just, uh, going to have the experience. Um, and then, uh, you, you, you talked about Ed Herman and, and Mearshart, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mentioned that one. I said, I like Mearshart, uh, yeah. stylistically. So I think it's a great match for him. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think Ed Herman's going to, going to be looking to trade and, uh, Mearshart's going to, you know, want to get him to the ground and, and lock something in. Um, yeah, so I like that fight. Mearshart's a, a good favorite, and uh, rightfully so. Um, I think Frank, Frankie Sands, I think, um, you know, I think that that's I'm pretty confident in that one. I think he'll be able to to handle Martinez um, with relative ease. And then uh, opening up the card, we uh, got three more bouts. Marcus Perez takes on Eric Spicely, middleweight action. Um, Jamal Emmers takes on the debuting Tamir Valiev, who's a PFL um, 
uh, transition-y, if you will. Um, and then opening up the card, we've got another familiar face. So originally supposed to be Chris Gutierrez taking a cool hand Luke Sanders from Nashville, uh, which would have already given us a southeastern flavor here. But Sanders pulls out, and now we get uh, the UFC debut on short notice of uh, VFC B- Bantamweight champion Cody Durden. So Cody just fought for the NFC about uh, last Saturday or last Friday, yeah, last Saturday. Saturdays and uh, like two days later announces that he's got a four fight deal with the UFC. He made super quick work of John Sweeney uh, to move to, I think, 11 and two now. So he's won seven in a row. Congrats to Cody Durden. Uh, hopefully he's able to go out there and get it done. It's a tough first matchup against Chris Gutierrez. But, you know, if Cody's able to implement his wrestling, I think, you know, Gutierrez hasn't shown a whole lot of uh, on the ground. And, you know, obviously, you know, looked really good last time out there with a leg kick TKO. Uh, you know, but at the same time, I think uh, Durden uh, stylistically may may be able to hold his own here. I'm excited to see this. The one thing, the one kind of drawback I worry about is Gutierrez's size. You know, he's fought as high as 145, and, and Durden's fought as low as 125. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, that size makes a difference. You know, I would imagine Cody doesn't have a huge weight cut after he was already uh, at weight to fight last week. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, so I literally found out about this fight like an hour and a half ago. I didn't even didn't even realize that, that Cody had gotten that deal. Um, that's awesome though to get a, get a four fight deal with him. Uh, you know, so that means it really doesn't matter too much what he does here. I mean, you know, he could honestly he could get knocked out in the first thirty seconds, and he'd still get you know he's not going to get cut right away. I don't think taking a short notice fight like that. So um, it's kind of a win win for him. You know, it's a good name, and it is somebody that he you know possibly you know game plans the right way and uh and isn't is able to to implement that game plan you know he may be able to write out a decision against him um but it is a massive step up in competition you know we've seen cody fight guys who have you know zero wins and eight losses and things like that so um you know he looks good against them for sure but you know that's that's not the same kind of competition that he's going to be facing here. So um, I hope he gets it done, man. It would be awesome if he could go out there and, and get a big win like that as a big underdog. But it's going to be a tough fight for him uh, for sure. Um, not too much on, on the other two. Uh, possible upset maybe with Jamal Emers. Um, I think that will probably be a, a close fight. Um, Eric Spicely hasn't really shown me much. He's a pretty decent underdog. Uh, to Marcus Perez, uh, I think the, the odds are pretty pretty spot on there. All right, we'll do a quick rundown here and uh, just get quick picks, and uh, we'll move on to our final segment, man. For me, I'll go first. I've, uh, I'm going to go with Shabazian, uh, Calderwood, Luke A. Uh, next one's a tough one. I'll go with Bobby Green this time, though. Uh, Kevin Holland, I'll go with uh, Jonathan Martinez, uh, Mearshart, Borg, Marcus Perez, uh, Valiev, and uh, fuck it, give me Cody Darden. <laughs> uh, I agree with you on most of those. I, I, I would take uh, Brunson, Calderwood, Luke A, Venata, um, Holland, Frankie Sands, Mearshart, Borg, uh, Perez. And yeah, I mean, at, at those kind of odds, you know, I, I know that, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of, and. You know, honestly, like I try not to be a dick, but I kind of just hope Cody gets knocked the fuck out just because he's kind of a piece of shit. But 
you know, but, you know, I don't know. It looks good for us for him to get a win, I guess, but um, uh, for this area. But, uh, but you know, I, I think I'll take Gutierrez just, just because I'd, I'd rather she could to get knocked out. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. All right. Uh, we'll see here. That'll wrap up this weekend's action. Couple, uh, a couple of notes to wrap up here. Uh, here at the end of the show, we'll call it a day, man. A few little news and notes I've got here. Uh, looks like we have got um, uh, a bit of a clearance on a date for uh, Habib Nurmagomedov to take on Justin Gaethje. Uh, it looks like they're going to do it October the 24th, I believe. Um, you know, and, and before that, Dana had said that he would be open to Khabib choosing who his final, you know, if he wanted to, if he were to beat uh, Gaethje and he's 29-0 and he wants to be 30-0 and right off into the sunset, he said he'd be open to Khabib choosing his final opponent, even if that were to be GSP. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's wild. GSP had, you know, just like last week or something, said that uh, it's best if he stays retired. You know, a lot of guys just stick around too long, and he doesn't want to be one of those guys. And I think it came up uh, after the Usman win. Um, you know, Usman was wanting to fight him, obviously. Anybody in that weight range, you know, if, if, if GSP's within striking range, it's kind of like a Conor McGregor. It's going to be massive money. Um, and, you know, he's the GOAT at, at, at 170. Uh, for sure. So, you know, obviously Usman wanted him, but, you know, he, he didn't want to do that. Um, and I think probably smart uh, on his part. Um, but, man, it'd be, be hard to turn down a fight with uh, Khabib for him, you know, because that that just – GSP is not about money for GSP, obviously. You know, at this point, the only thing that's going to get him in there is something that's going to be big for his legacy. You know, if Khabib goes in there and, and – is able to get Justin Gaethje out of there, and it's twenty nine and zero, and you know he wants to ride off in the sunset. It'd be hard to to see uh, GSP turning that down. Honestly, um, it's a fight that's been talked about multiple times. You know, GSP kind of did a, a test cut down to fifty five um, before he ended up going to eighty five and, and taking that belt. Um, so you know, it's it's uh, something that he can do, I, I think, and. Man, that'd be a, that'd be a massive fight. You know, I, I think it would be um, they would do big numbers. I don't know if it would outdo uh, numbers with Connor, but it, it would probably push close. Um, but I think if he can't get that fight, I think they're kind of just waiting around with Connor. You know, to give him Khabib after after the uh, Gaethje fight, if Khabib gets through Gaethje. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think it'll kind of be up to Khabib. So. Um, you know, it'd be hard for Khabib doesn't. He says he doesn't want to fight Connor again. But how how would you say no to that? For Khabib, this is going to be your last fight, the most money you could possibly make against you know this opponent, and it's somebody you've already kind of ran through. It's going to should be an easy night at the office. You know, I think he'll end up taking it if if uh, GSP says no. But um, I think all that's a little bit premature to talk about, man, because I think Justin Gage is a nightmare matchup for him and. Um, uh, you know, I think that that's really what he needs to be focused on right now. And uh, people may be putting the cart before the horse a little bit um, as far as, you know, talking about his his retirement fight. Another little uh, quick hitter here. It looks like uh, we may have an uh, incoming challenger for the 125 champion of the world, uh, uh, Davis and Figueredo. You know, we've been talking about, you know, where where's the next challenge going to come from? Is there anything that is is uh, sellable, if you will, that'll get people interested? And uh, it looks like Cody No Love Garbrandt 
is uh, contemplating making that 125 drop, and I'm in on that. You know, I'm that I'm back interested in the flyweight division at least for a moment. Yeah, it scares me a lot, man. I, I, you know, I'm a big, big Cody fan, and um, you know that weight cut is is not going to be easy. I, I listened to him in an, in an interview the other day. It's probably the one that he, I guess, the one that um, where he was talking about that fight, but uh, he was saying, you know, that he's walking around at like 45. So, you know, that at time he, he was saying that when DJ and Cejudo fought, um, that DJ was like a pound or two lighter than him on fight night and that Cejudo was heavier than him on fight night and they were fighting, you know, to weight class 10 pounds lower. So, um, he acts like it's not going to be a problem to make that weight, but, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous opponent to do it against. Um, you know, if you're, if he if he cuts out too much water and comes in there too dehydrated, and, um, it's it's going to be lights out, man. Davidson Figueroa does not play games, um, but I don't see anybody in in the same universe as him right now in that division. I think the only thing that that gives him a challenge right now would be a Cody Garbrandt. Um, I just uh, I just worry for Cody in that one, man. I got. I think he's got big things still ahead of him at 35 and that that weight cut um you know and and making that attempt it's a it's a make it or break it kind of thing i think you know if he does it and, and he's able to handle figueredo win that title go up and fight peter yawn or Jermaine sterling whoever has you know the belt at that time put on a great show then you know his legacy is kind of completed but um if he goes out there and you know has a tj dillashaw type performance at 25 um, then it complicates things at 35 too. You know, I don't think he's going to walk right back into the top five at 35 if he goes in and loses to Figueroa. So, um, and 35 is, is a is a deep division. You know, you, you're going to have to, um, you, you you know, if he's if you're not there winning fights, you're going to get passed up pretty quick. I think. Um, so I think it's a a, a scary proposition for him, but um, but I love the fight. I think it, that if if Cody is is well and at 100%, um, it's, it's, it'll be a, a phenomenal fight from start to finish. Um, but if 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 it's too, if the weight cut is too much, um, Davison Figueroa will capitalize on that for sure. All right, that's going to do it, my man. It looks like we have uh, covered all there is to cover this week. Next week, uh, we'll recap this UFC card. looks like we'll be looking ahead to uh, another, I guess there's another UFC card next week uh, that we'll, we'll be previewing as well as the, uh, the Contender Series. Uh, we've got the Dana White Contender Series starts up here on Tuesday, I guess it is, uh, Tuesday the 4th. So just a couple days before we are back with you guys. Looks like uh, I'll run down that card real quick, I guess. And we'll, co- we'll, we'll cover it uh, when, we, when we come back uh, next week. Kevin Siler versus Kenny Cross in the main event. Kevin Siler we saw on a season of The Ultimate Fighter 10-0. Uh, we got Ty Flores taking on Dustin Jacoby in light heavyweights. Uh, Euros Medic taking on Mikey Gonzalez. Man, what happened to Taylor Cowens? That was supposed to be Taylor Cowens' fight. And it looks like Cowens has withdrawn. That's uh, 
This sucks to hear. Uh, Luis Rodriguez takes on Jerome Rivera, and then Jose Flores versus Jordan Levitt. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll recap the uh, Contender Series next week, and then uh, uh, see where we're at with, with announcing some more of these Valor fights as well, man. Hopefully, we can let you guys in on that Chattanooga main event for the 170 Pro title by then. Uh, once again, uh, we're on uh, Facebook and social media. Make sure you uh, give our page a like, share the uh, podcast. Uh, you can you can find it every week on uh, all of your uh, places that you uh, listen to your podcasts: uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, you know, Stitcher, uh, all those all those places. So uh, you know, spread the love. Let's keep the thing growing. And uh, next week we will uh, we'll be back with you. Peace. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. I'm I'm super excited for this fight card because of this fight in particular, and it's largely because of Edmund Shabazian because his performance against Brad Tavares and before that against Marshman and, and Charles Bird, he was fighting like a guy where it's like, damn, this is a potential championship level fighter. So this Brunson fight is a nice test. He kind of serves the role of gatekeeper. It's a harsh term, but you're not a gatekeeper if you're not talented. And uh, I'm psyched for Edmund and Brunson. Yeah, that is my number one fight. I got to imagine that's your number one fight, right? Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, my number two fight is uh, it's Vicente Luque and Randy Brown. Okay, we're, mean, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, dude, like... Vicente Luque could fight a sea otter, and it would be top three. Yeah. He is unbelievable. I mean, okay, this dude just has three fight of the nights uh, in his last five. And the only reason why it's not four out of five is that he was fighting uh, against Nico Price on UFC 249. <laughs> that fight against Nico Price is literally... It didn't win fight of the night honors, but it's literally a top 10 fighter this year. <laughs> so Vicente Luque is just um, unbelievably exciting. He's also pretty damn good, as is Randy uh, Randy Brown coming off the win over Worley Alves. Yeah, that, that is definitely my number two fight. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's uh, in Vicente Luque's DNA to have a boring fight. Uh, we'll see if Randy Brown maybe goes to more of a, you know, try to not have a kickboxing matchup. Uh, you know, maybe use that kickboxing to set up a takedown. My number three fight, this is where I'm, I'm interested if we're going to agree or not. And my number three fight is Lando Veneta versus Bobby Green. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.